I, I talked about as a kid having to be drugged to church. Uh, even even coming to church though today as an adult, do y'all ever kind of feel like I'm not saying I don't want to go, but it takes a little effort. Anybody? Uh, please tell me I'm not the only only one. Um, yeah, uh, one of the things. I've, I've got to do every day is ignore how I feel. And i got to do what I know discipline requires me to do. And that's, that's to get up. I've got to, I've, I really have a serious problem of listening to my own voices in my head. Anybody else? They, they say all kinds of anti-biblical messages. Um, Number one is you're you're not a good person. You're 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 you ought you you ought to be ashamed. You're you're full of guilt. You're full of sin. And man, so you wake up in the morning. That's refreshing, isn't it? You just got all that in your mind. And and I, I think we have a I know we have an enemy that loves that message. I, I think the devil would have you start out your day kind of with your head down. You know what I mean? Anybody? You just say, "Okay, I'm just I'm in survival mode today. Don't really talk to me. I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be in survival mode. If you need something, see me another day, but not today." Um, sin and shame and guilt, fear, will keep us walking around with our head down. One of the determinations that I have made in my life is when my heat hit my feet hit the floor in the morning, I'm going to say to the Lord, "I do this every day, Father, you got me up again today." There must be a reason. You're the, you're the God of life. My life didn't happen accidentally. So my, heat, my feet hit the floor. You must still love me. You must still be patient with me. Uh, now listen, if you have a human view of that, because how patient are you as a person? If you're trusting in human patience and you think that's God's view of patience, you're, you're going to have a bad day because God thinks differently about patience than we do. Where he wants us to hit the floor in the morning. Number one, acknowledge him. God, you are the center of this day. You got me up. I lay my sin, my guilt, my shame at your feet. I can't do anything about it. I can pray about it. I can leave it with you. I'm going to walk into this next room. You're, you are with me. Thank you. <laughs> you love me. You're patient with me. I am on mission for you today because you got me out of bed. I'm not going to act... I'm not going to keep my head down. That's where the devil wants it. I'm going to get my head up. And guess what happens when you, when you put your head up? What else needs to happen? That, that smile. Some of you all need to practice that today. Everybody just break out in a smile for me, would you? I literally, I'll just, I'll just tell you how stupid I am. I literally practice smiling. Not so I look good. I think, I think a smile is part of evangelism, personally. Uh, I smile because the worries and anxieties of my heart, what do they do to my face? Can you tell when somebody's covered up? And so, so, so I, I would say, okay, this, you know, that, it kind of hurts if you haven't done it in a while, you know, to lift up that smile. A smile doesn't mean everything's perfect in your life, does it? It means I do trust that God has this. I do, I do, I'm not going to walk around whipped 
in my own weakness every day. I, listen, the devil will keep you there every single day. He will keep you in that whipped, weak. And we, we are made in the image of God, filled with the Spirit of God. Should we walk around with a smile and just, I'm not being Pentecostal here, even though we've got some Pentecostal friends we love, we're just going to claim that this is God's day. Is there anything wrong with that? This is God's day, whether you acknowledge it as God's day or not. Amen? And, and understand that one of the reasons you are burdened down is partly because of your sin and mine. But a big part of it also is the devil wants you walking around whipped all the time. He wants you using your human understanding of God's patience. Let me ask you that question. How patient is God? Is he more patient than you? Thank you, Tia. However, when you get up in the morning, your human reasoning presents you with a whole, a whole slate of thoughts. What we've got to do is we've got to, get, we've got to realize those are human thoughts. That's human reasoning. And human reasoning and God are headed in opposite directions. Did you know that? Human reasoning and God are headed in opposite directions. Every day I get up, I've got to sift through the mess and find out what's godly and grab it. What's ungodly and pray that out. Just say, Lord, okay, I know this is not of you. That's not what I have. I, I, I'm here to tell you today, it matters how you view God's patience. Have you got the theme for today already? What is it? God's patience. If, if I was God looking at me, <laughs> I would not be as patient with me as God has been with me. Um. And the question I have for you today is your view of God's patience based on your own reason. And maybe that's why you struggle because you think his patience is like my patience. How, how are you doing with your patience? Are you doing better? Have you ever had a goal, I'm going to do better with patience? Does it work? <laughs> uh, this past week, my, my daughter brought her dog. Um, good dog, but she had told my wife... Don't let go of the dog. Well, the dog's outside. The dog will take off. I'm glad she told me that, but I walked the dog from the yard up to my door, and I opened the door, and instead of dragging the dog in, I accidentally opened my hand. And I've been, I've been thinking about this message, and I've really been working on patience, you know. That dog, like a shriek of lightning, disappeared. He took off. My daughter lives in Johnson City. I don't know if he was headed there or what. First of all, the shock of it, I, I, this anger came over me that I didn't even know I had left in my body. And so, and, and then the panic, because this is your daughter's dog. If it was my dog, I'd say, don't come back. <laughs> it wasn't my dog. So I'm, 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 I'm almost to the point of crying. I'm running down the road. Of course, I don't even, this dog, you can really hear a click. I could hear a click, click, click till she was out of sight. I ran up my little road. I went to the right to go out of our subdivision. No sign of a dog anywhere. I'm telling you, it was panic time. All this stuff you tell yourself, I'm going to be more patient, it's gone in an emergency, isn't it? It just flies away. So I'm walking down the road, and I'm just, I'm like, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. I've you know, got neighbors sitting in the yard. Hey, have you all seen a dog? Uh, so I'm, now I'm, I'm not on the road anymore. I'm, I'm walking through people's backyards. That's fun. 
all of a sudden, through the brush, here comes Maggie. And she comes right back up to me, and she just stands there. I put the, I put the clip back on her. And, you know, you're happy, but then you're mad again, you know. So I'm walking back with this dog. And my dog has been trained, when we come to a mailbox or a pole, my dog will go around it, and he'll sense that something's not right. He'll stop, and he'll come back around. Just smart dog. Maggie, not a smart dog. She got around that mailbox, and she pulled so hard, she pulled her head out of her collar. Boom! She was gone again. If you thought I was mad the first time, I haven't been that mad in years. She was gone. I mean gone. Same, just, I'm sitting there, I'm going, God, why? It's, why are you doing this to me? About 15 minutes later, in and out of people's yard, here she comes again. She knew exactly where I was the whole time. She came flying back to me, and I grabbed her by the collar. I put it back on her, grabbed her, and drug, drug her back home. My point being, you, you, can, you can be working on patience, you can be thinking you're growing, and then this event will happen, and it'll just show you where, you're re- where you really are. You know, you got, we've got a lot of room to grow in the area of patience. And just saying, hey, I'm going to be more patient, I don't think. Now, it can be a good goal, can't it? I want you to learn today about God's patience. Now, Exodus chapter 33 is our main passage. The Lord said to Moses, Exodus 33, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send my angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm not going to go up with you, lest I consume you on the way. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? That's God's patience right there. I, I'll go with you, but I'm, I'm not sure that would go well, so I'm not going to go with you, God says. You are a, what kind of people? Stiff-necked. Look at your neighbor and say, you're stiff-necked. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. You told your brother he's stiff-necked, didn't you? Uh, now, if you're married, that could get complicated, but. Uh, are we stiff-necked people? What's that mean? We're set in our ways, and we're hard to change. That's kind of what stiff-necked is. Can you be a stiff-necked Christian? What do you think? Can, can it be hard for God to move you around where he wants you to, to move? Does God know we're stiff-necked people? He knows our struggle, doesn't he? I skipped to verse, verse, verse 7. Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. It came to pass that everyone that sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that the people rose up. Each man stood at his tent door and he watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Hey, will the Lord talk with you? Will the Lord talk with you? All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped each man in his own tent. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. 
And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. And, the Lord, and Moses said to the Lord, y'all, here's, here's the patient part. Don't want you to miss this. If I'd have written this text, I would not have put these words here. I would not have made Moses' speech so, I want to say impertinent. I'm not sure that's the right word. So bold, so brash, so so. Moses said to the Lord, see, and I don't know the tone that Moses had in his voice. Tone matters, doesn't it? All you married people. <laughs> tone matters a lot. I don't know what Moses' tone was. I, uh, see, you say to me, bring up these people. This is Moses talking. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you have said, I know you by name. And uh, God, we're supposed to be friends here. You, have, you, have, you say I have found grace in your sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight. Did you all notice that? You say, and I say, if I have found grace, show me now your way that I may know you and I may find grace in your sight. And then listen to this statement, and God, consider this one thing. These are your people. I've always been a little uncomfortable with this passage because of the type of words that Moses is using toward, towards God. It seems disrespectful in some ways. Have we ever spoken disrespectfully to God? And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go, don't bring us up from here. Just exactly contrary to what God had just promised him he was going to do. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, patiently, did you catch this? I will do this thing that you have spoken. You have found grace in my sight. And I know you by name. I'm not suggesting that we speak to God in this questioning way. I'm asking us to be amazed at the patience God is showing to Moses. I, I hope that's a significant enough point for you today. Be amazed at the patience that God demonstrates towards you. Be it, don't ever get over that. And when you get up in the morning, you remember that's the number one thing. God loves me and he's patient with me. Guys, that's how we get the energy to serve him, isn't it? The only time I really know I can succeed is when I know I get to fail. If I know there's no failure, I'm not even going to try. Because I fail more than I succeed. Amen? I got to know that I am resting in these patient hands of God. I hope you're seeing the patience of God here. I will do this thing, verse 17. You found grace. I know you by name. I want to ask you this question. Does God know you by name? If he does, you are just like Moses. He's patiently holding you beyond your human reasoning of patience. God's got you in his hand. And he said unto Moses said, please show me your glory. 
And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I appreciate God's patience with the demands of Moses. Let me read them again to you. Moses said, you have not, yet you have said, show me now. Moses said that to God. God, consider these people are your people. They're not mine, they're yours. And this one really is, it's the top of the the list. If you don't go with us, God, don't bring us. Not going if you don't go. And then the last one, a little demanding, show me your glory. God speaks, speaks to Moses face to face in such a patient way with all of the uh, miscommunication that Moses, he's frustrated, uh, he's, he's angry. I want to cut to uh, uh, Exodus 34 now, next chapter. We're almost done in Exodus. Uh, here's God's patience. The Lord said to Moses, again, I wish I knew God's tone. I I could read this in what I think God's tone is. Listen to this. Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Guys, what's that imply? God already had given them a beautiful set of commandments on beautiful stonework. And what had happened to those stones? Thrown down. Does a patient God create another set of, of rocks and commandments? Yes, he does. Here's what he says. Cut two tablets of stones like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. <laughs> so be ready in the morning and come up to the, in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on top of the mountain, and no man shall come with you. Let no man be seen anywhere on the mountain, no flocks and no herds feeding on that mountain. He cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And Moses rose up early, verse 4, and he went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Now this is God talking about whom? The Bible says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed about himself. This is God telling you who he is. I love this. The Lord, the Lord God, what's the very first one? Merciful. And we all get up every morning in need of God's mercy. He says, that's that's who I am. At my heart, I am mercy. Merciful and gracious. Here's the word patience. Long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Listen, is God going to continue to pour out mercy upon us? The answer to that in Jesus is yes. However, if we if we hold up our hands of denial against him. The Bible is teaching us here that that sin of of not repenting, that sin of not obeying will trickle down in our lives and not just ours, but our children's lives as well. So I, I want you to hear the God of patience, but there is a moment when that patience does what? The wrath of God is part of this discussion today because there is a moment in time 
um, we see God's wrath throughout Scripture. Uh, in Christ, we, we have that patience of God. Um, but I, I think that verse 7 is kind of important. Let's not skip over that. So here, here we go. God proclaiming his own name. He claims that he is merciful, gracious, patient, good, and true. And we want to say what to that? We don't do anything else today. Let's say thank you, God, that that's who you are. Thank you for that. I don't ever want to get over that. We don't take advantage of that grace. Oh, God's going to forgive me. We had, I, I, I thought of three words. We admire it. Let's never get over admiring the patience and grace of God. I want to ask you this question. Is patience, do, do you admire it when you see it? I do. Sometimes somebody's in the middle of something. Somebody's just sitting there listening. They're not responding. They're not firing back. They're just, they're just listening. I, I, think, I think as children of God, one of the reasons we're supposed to be patient is because it's admirable. We're not all up in everybody's face arguing with them, trying to get our own justice to happen, like we do in marriage sometimes. Patience is admirable. It's attractive. And I think that's part of the gospel. That smile and that patience, they're kind of pre-evangelism, aren't they, into the hearts of people. Uh, we, we admire it, we appreciate it, and we act on it. I know I can get up in the morning and start a new day and succeed because if I fail, guess what? He's also got tomorrow coming my way. He's going to give me a, a new chance. I can be successful in that kind of soil. I can't be successful in a soil where failure is not allowed because I do a lot of failing. God comes along, he's this patient God, and he says, okay. We're, we're, gonna, we're, moving, we're moving on, we're growing, we're, we're, we're disciplining you, uh, we're maturing you. And all that happens in really good soil. I don't know how many of y'all are gardeners, my tomatoes are going crazy. I've got a bunch of them out here for you to take home today if you want to take some home. Got to have good soil, don't you? God's patience is good soil to grow in. Amen? And we can grow and mature because that's the soil. I want to ask you this dumb question. Could God's patience with sinners ever make us mad? You ever just gotten mad at God's grace given to somebody who didn't deserve it? We deserve it, but they don't. Uh, it's kind of a dumb question. Uh, I think of Jonah uh, chapter 3. God is so patient with lost people that Jonah got mad. Do you remember? I want to ask us, I don't exactly know how to ask it, could God ever be so patient with somebody else's mess-ups that you get angry about that? They don't deserve that, God. What are you doing? <laughs> Save that for the good people. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, Jonah chapter 3, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message. Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city and a three-day journey in extent, a long time to walk through Nineveh, three days. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and he cried out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. The word came to the king. He got up off his throne, he laid aside his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't eat, don't drink. Let every man be covered with sackcloth and beast 
and cry mightily to God. Everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hands. Who can tell if God will relent and turn away from his fierce anger so we may not perish? And God saw their work, and they turned from their evil way. God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he didn't do it. God is so patient here that Jonah can't handle it. He just, he just comes apart at the patience of God. He knew how patient God was, and he didn't want those wicked people to experience God's grace. You ever look out there at the world and get so disgusted with what you see, all of a sudden it's us, them, <laughs> the saved and the, and the self-righteous like, like us versus them? That's not the way to do it, of course. I'm just saying. Sometimes that's a human, you know. Could we... We, we, are, we are them, amen? <laughs> We're all sinners at the feet of the cross. Jonah says to God in chapter 4, verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Lord, this, this is what I said was going to happen, and I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to preach repentance, because guess what? These people might actually repent. That's why I ran from you, because I didn't want to preach a message of repentance, because you might be patient with these people, and I didn't want you to be. Isn't that something? I'm not sure where we are in there. Uh, let's be careful. Or their attitude about lost people. People that aren't in the body of Christ. Because guess what? Who loves them? God loves them. And what's he doing to them? Come unto me. Amen? You all awake out there? Do I need to yell at you? Let's be careful when we're driving down Alcoa Highway. You know. Us, them. Let's be as patient with them as God is with them and as patient as he was with us. Jonah said, God, mm, I fled to Tarshish previously for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. I know you're one and you are going to be kind to these people that don't deserve it. You are slow to anger and you you abound in loving kindness. And you are one who relents from doing harm. Let me ask you, folks, is that good soil to grow in? That kind of patient God. I want to think about Gideon. Do you remember Gideon and the fleeces? Lord, I'm going to put this out. If it, you know, the very first thing the angel did, he said, bring me some meat. And that meat came out on a stone. The angel touched it, and that, that meat went poof. And Gideon was like, hmm, okay, how about a fleece? If I put a fleece out, and it's wet, and the ground's dry... God did that. Third time, okay, if I lay out another fleece and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, all, is that, do you see God's patience in Gideon's fleeces? Let's be careful with fleeces, by the way. What about, uh, I thought about King David and his lust problem. Remember the night uh, up high looking down at somebody else's wife? Was God patient with King David? What did he say about David? This is a man after, after my own heart. Wow. How about Peter? Oh, I don't, I don't know Jesus. Who? No, not me. I don't know that guy. Third time, the cock crows. What about Peter and his failure and his fear? And Jesus called him what? <laughs> oh, man. And how about you? What about the patience God's poured out on you? 
just like everybody in the scripture, you have also been the recipient of that. So what do we do? We thank God regularly for his patience with us. Thank you, Lord. I, I can grow in this kind of patience. You're a great teacher. You're a patient teacher. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I don't ever want to recover from the awesomeness of God's patience with me. I don't ever want to get over that. God is a pursuer of men and women. He's a pursuer of you. He comes after you. The whole story of the Bible is God's patient pursuit of stiff-necked people. Look at your neighbor. You really are stiff-necked. Go ahead and say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I saw one, one wife doing that to her husband over there. We really are stiff-necked people, aren't we? And God's patience comes in and he continues. All right, you failed. Confess it. As best as you are able, there's repentance required. Get up. We're starting this journey over tomorrow morning. We're going forward. That's the kind of God that we serve. You know, God is so patient with lost folks, and he expects the same from us. I want to look at Matthew chapter 5. This is some of the most radical scripture. I'm, all, I'm not far from being done here this morning, y'all. I've got my timer. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. That's, human, that's beyond human reasoning, isn't it? Y'all, we have trouble loving each other. Jesus comes along and says, love your enemies. Now, why would he say that to us, love, love our enemies? Because he loves our enemies, right? All these people out here showing enmity to God right now, guess what? Shocker, he loves them. And he expects the same out of you and me. Not on your own power, amen? <laughs> the power he's going to put in you to love your enemies. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute. Have you been done wrong this week? Please go back and read Matthew chapter 5. Here's your response. If you've been done wrong, that you may be the sons of your father. This is how you show that you're a child of God, is you express this love and patience to lost people. You may have that person in your life. I don't know who they are. They are, they, are, they are like a patience drain on you. They're the one that, oh my gosh. God says, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the son of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. Lost people out there got to enjoy the sunshine this morning. God's busy pouring out blessings on his children and those who are not his children. Amen? What are we to do? We're to draw this careful line, the church and the lost world, and we're going to treat one one way and treat one the other. Is that what God just said? Patiently loving those who do not love him and who do not love you. Guys, this is important. Our political world is so divided right now. We are, to, we are to love those who are on the other side. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust because he is what kind of God? He's a patient God. 
If you love those who love you, don't pat yourself on the back and say, I'm a good Christian because I love those people that love me. I, I love Beach Grove Baptist Church. And one of the reasons I love y'all is because y'all love me. Patiently, 10 years worth of love given to this old boy. And I, I love you for that. Thank you for your patience with me. If you love those who love you, though, what reward do you have, the Bible says? Don't, don't even tax collectors <laughs> do the same. If you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Y'all walking through the grocery store, if you see a fellow Christian, hey, brother, how you doing? You come up on a lost man, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're lost anyway. Is that what the Bible's teaching? No. What's he say? Uh, Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We, he also wants us to pour sunshine and rain, good things, we need some rain right now, don't we? I, 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 Lord, we want to hear this tin roof start raining this morning. He pours that out on whom? Everybody. And when you walk out these doors, you are to pour rain and sunshine out on everybody because that's an extension of the patience that the Spirit of God has placed inside you because you are a son and a daughter of God. That's, that's important. Don't forget to, to rain and, and be sunny on the lost folks. That expresses the patience of God that lost people need. You needed it. God is busy doing good to, to those who don't deserve it. And that's your calling, part of your calling. 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 9. Why is God this way? Why is God patient? Some of y'all could probably give me some good answers. Let's let the Bible answer that question. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remind, reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets, of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and the Savior, knowing this first. Guys, you know what? That God can be so patient that the lost world looks at that and says, it's been 2,000 years since the cross, Christians. Where's your God? We might even think that sometimes ourselves. It's been 2,000 years since the cross. Where's Jesus' is coming? Y'all pray for Jesus' is coming. Please do that. <laughs> um, knowing this first, verse, verse 3, that scoffers will come. Guys, there's people out there that are they're, they're just yelling up at God. There is no God. He's not coming. Y'all are living a... A, a pipe dream there in the church. There's no God. The Bible says, knowing this first, scoffers will come and walk according to their own lusts and say, where's the promise of his coming? Could God be so patient that, that people wonder where he's at? Yes. <laughs> Look what the Bible says. Since, since the fathers fell asleep, those are, those are the people that wrote the scriptures, Old Testament folks, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until that day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So God's patience will one day become judgment for ungodly godly men and women. 
But first, how many opportunities will lost people have to come to Jesus? Not, not endless. It's not endless. Today is the day of salvation. If you're sitting there today, guess what? Today is the day of salvation in your heart. Guys, listen. Don't, verse 8, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. So guys, how long has it been since Jesus was nailed to the cross according to God's perspective? How long? Two what? Two days. For us, in our perspective, it's been how long? 2,000 years. And people are literally sitting back scoffing at God. Where are you? (laughs) Why is God allowing himself to be scoffed at for 2,000 years because he is a what kind of God? So that they may come in. They can respond to the gospel. He is such a patient God, he allows himself to be scoffed at. Guys, that I'm sorry, that hurts my head. That's a lot more patient than I am. That's a patient God, isn't it? When he allows, he creates something that's going to look him back in the face and scoff at him. Oh my goodness. He is so patient with us because of his love. Because he is a pursuer of people. He runs towards his creation with open arms even after we've crawled around in the slop. Y'all remember the prodigal son feeding the pigs? Where was daddy? He wasn't hiding away somewhere saying, boy, that boy's in trouble when he gets home. Paul says he was running towards this prodigal. God is running towards you, the prodigal, every day. He's running towards you. He is a pursuer of men and women because he is a patient God. Amen? I'm excited about that, y'all. That prodigal, wasteful, shameful excuse of a son, that's what I feel like every day. Come crawling home because I'm at the absolute end of myself and who is there with his arms open waiting for me? My patient, heavenly father. Hey, listen, I can grow in that kind of soil. Jesus allowed himself to be scoffed at as well. He allowed himself to be spit on. He allowed himself to have crowns jammed into his head and mocked because of his patient love for his enemies. Let's work on a very patient love for our enemies. Um, John Piper said, embracing the providence of God, Now, what do we mean by providence of God? God knows everything. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. Let's call that the providence of God. Could knowing the providence of God make us more patient? That's my question. Could knowing that God is sovereign over everything make us more patient? When I lose my keys, anybody? It is. It just tears me up. I knew knew it's on me. I lost. I should have hung them on the little thing. When I come in the door. So I'm 30 minutes and I'm getting madder and madder and madder as I go along. I'm praying. I'm accusing my wife, poor thing. Uh, where, where's my keys? I don't have your stupid keys. Um, what, if I'm, what, if I'm, what if I know God is sovereign over my keys? Is he sovereign over my keys? Does he know where my keys are? Okay, so 
I'm just giving you a stupid little example. How, my patience then, how about if I take on that patience of God because I know He knows. I don't have to scurry around in this angry rage about my problems because I trust Him. So I'm here to tell you today, your patience and God's sovereignty are linked together. We can be patient with this world because we know whose timetable is this world on. Hey, listen, a lot of us have got really negative in our speech about what's going on in the world. And we're acting like it's all lost. I promise you it's not because God is what? Sovereign. Piper said this. Embracing the providence of God enables us to be patient and faithful in the unexpected trials of life. How many of y'all think an unexpected trial is coming your way? What do they say about trials? You either just got out of one, <laughs> you're in one, <laughs> or you're fixing to be. As we say in East Tennessee, you're fixing to be in a trial. One of those three things. What do we do when the doctor looks at you and says, I, I hate to tell you this, you, you're full of cancer, man. Is that, is that, a, is that a trial? How does your patience and God's sovereignty do in that moment? That's where this real-life benefit of seeing and savoring the all-pervading providence of God, the purposeful sovereignty of God, comes into play. And it is this, believing the providence of God, embracing the providence of God, it enables us to be patient and faithful, here's what I want you to hear, in the long, dragged-out, often unexpected trials of life, among the most unexplainable circumstances, detours, and delays that from our limited viewpoint make no sense. Guys, when you look at your life sometimes, it's going to make no sense what's happening around you. Are you going to patiently say, my human perspective or his in the midst of the trial? Believing the providence of God transforms that experience. And I want to tell you this, this is not Piper, this is me. Since God's patience is tied to His sovereignty, my patience must be tied to His sovereignty as well. It allows me to slow down. It allows me, it allows me to relax. It allows me to start praying. God, you got this. I trust you. You're all-knowing. You must have something good going on when my keys are lost. You must have something good in, in the death of this grandparent that we love so much. You must have something good in the loss of my job. God, I'm, I'm going to be patient because you're not coming unhinged by this. I feel like becoming unhinged, but you're God, and I trust your providence. I trust your sovereignty. Guys, our impatience is not even really the problem, and I close with this. What's the real problem? It's faith. If I've lost my keys and can't find them, my impatience is just the symptom of the problem. My real problem is I'm... I don't trust God to help, help me in this mess that I'm in at the moment. I just don't trust him. He's not here. So impatience isn't the problem. It's the symptom. So just stop in the midst of that and begin to express faith unto God. Maybe you sing him a song. Something that expresses faith in the, in the midst. And God's patience, guess what it's going to do? It's going to come at you. And that fear, that panic, that terror, that anger, like chasing that dog through that neighborhood, God's going to deal with that. He's sovereign. He can handle it. And you begin to express his patience. Do I really trust him? Do I have to scurry about my life to make it happen? 
I'm impatient because I think I have to make everything happen and I know that I only have limited resources to make it happen. And I'm so stressed out of that because I really don't trust His providence and His sovereignty. So guys, what do we do? We saturate our minds with scriptures every day. Why? The faith stories are where? Here. That's how you battle all this impatience and all this fear and all this anxiety. We saturate our minds with scriptures We expose ourselves to God's utterly unexpected ways. Let me ask you this. Are God's ways unexpected in the Scripture? I'm I'm always nodding and shaking my head when I'm reading the Bible. Oh my gosh, God, you did it that way. It's totally different from the way I would have done it. We expose ourselves to God's utterly unexpected ways in the Bible until we become accustomed to trust Him in the dark because of what He's shown us in the light. Guys, don't wonder if you're struggling in the dark if you haven't God let, let God show it to you in the light. The light is where we get filled up and built up. And when the darkness comes, guess what? We're ready for it because we got built up in the light. Isaiah 55, 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, God says. Your way of thinking and my way of thinking are totally different. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And I would say to us, let's immerse ourselves in the biblical stories that portray His providence. God is a miracle-working God. And some of y'all need some miracles in your life. And you've become so Baptist. Stepping on some toes now. We just just leave the Holy Spirit and His miracle-working power. Listen. Did, did, did God leave his Holy Spirit miracle-working power out of the Scriptures? No. Let's not leave out what God can do. He's going, to, he's going to do it in his time, though, in his way. And, and you may say, God, I've waited five years for this. And what would he say? Your timing and my timing is different. I've, I've, got, I've got your answer. Let's immerse ourselves in a biblical portrayal of his providence. If we do, we will become less vulnerable to panic less vulnerable to being perplexed and dreading life because God has shown us again and again that things are not what they seem. And He is busy weaving something wise out of the pain and the perplexing threads that look like a tangle in our lives. He's busy weaving out of the mess. And guess what He's making? Something beautiful. Last verse, be still before the Lord. This is what we need. Amen? Be still before the Lord. And what what does he say in Psalm 37? Wait patiently. Be still and wait patiently. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Y'all, a patient God that we serve. Let's never get over it. Let's never stop thanking him for that. We can look at all, all the people in the Bible and say, why would we write a book about those sinners? And God says, I wrote a book about those sinners because I wanted to see you in the midst of those sinners because you're just like them. And I will work in your life as I worked in their life, and I will do it patiently. God does have expectations for us to grow, doesn't he? He does have expectations for us to be laborers because the harvest is great and the laborers are what? Few. So he does have a high expectation for the mission of your life. But you're doing that mission in some very patient soil. Isn't that good news? 
And, and in, that, in that patient soil, you get to succeed, and guess what you also get to do at times? Completely, utterly, totally fail. That's part of our battle and struggle as well, isn't it? Father, thank you for this day. Father, is there a person here today that you want to encourage with your word? I pray that, Father, your spirit would get our heads up today. We would walk out of here confident in you and have faith in you because of what you have declared in your word. Father, just renew our faith today. Father, there's a lost person here today, Father, that you have commanded them to repent of sin and come to you. Father, we pray that that holy conviction would fall upon all of us today, especially those, Father, that have not come into the light and, Father, have not called upon your name to be saved. I pray today, Lord, that you would do that. Father, they could come up after service. We could sit and talk and, and just pray, confess sin, and call upon your name. Father, today is a day of salvation. Father, for those of us that just really struggle right now as we look at the world, I pray that you would help us choose a godly patience as we view the world and not our own human angry ways, Lord. We know that the world is yours. We know that the people in it are yours. You will do with the world as you will. You will have compassion where you will have compassion. Father, we pray for this world. We pray for you to do a mighty work of renewal, salvation, regeneration. We pray for our president, our congress, our senators, our governors, our mayors. Father, may these men and women fall under your powerful conviction. Father, may you bring repentance where it needs to come. Father, may you bring repentance in this church. May you bring, bring repentance in me. Father, we thank you today for your patience. We love you. We pray again for Matt and Chelsea. Thank you for the wonder of life, a new baby, God. A new baby. Is there a greater thing out there, Lord, than that? We love you. Thank you for going before us this week. We give you our hearts, minds, souls, fresh and new today. We are committed to you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. I'm here, standing up here, if we can pray about anything. Number one, if you don't know the Lord, if there's a problem or a need, I don't have the answers for you. (laughs) We're going to pray about them. And he has the answers. So y'all are dismissed. Love you. And listen, give you a fair warning. I'm standing here next week. Matt has two full weeks with this child, so he will not be here next week. Pray for me, uh, and I will declare the word as he gives it to me. So you're, if you have a sudden call to go out of town, hey, I understand. You're going to be gone next week. That's all right. I can handle it. Love y'all. Y'all are wonderful.